Hi, this is Think Queerly, and I'm your host, Darren Steele. Now, in my work as a coach and a writer and a podcaster, I seek to help people understand what self-mastery is, and it's simply the key to living a meaningful and fulfilling life. I know, it doesn't sound sexy as a catchphrase or a catch-all, right? But I do that by helping deep thinkers, thought leaders, creatives, and queer people cultivate their purpose and their unique potential by sharing practices and insights that will help you become a better leader. And whether that be a leader of how you lead your own life, how you feel more contented and relaxed and have more freedom in expressing what you want to say and potentiating the changes that you want to bring into the world, that is the outcome that I seek. And that can be enjoyed more easily when we cultivate curiosity in other people, in ourselves, in the world around us. Understanding for other people's points of view and respect for other human life, for the ecology of the planet. And all of these things will lead towards, ultimately, greater self-acceptance, acceptance from others, peace of mind, and freedom overall. So self-mastery, the way I look at it, is the fullest expression of your self-awareness, your critical thinking, your ability to be open-minded, to lead with humility, and, and the love that you have for yourself and for others. So I wanted to open that way because even though I'm addressing this to gay men in general today, this topic of today's podcast, this is going to touch on anyone listening. So the title of this episode is, as a gay man, what do you believe about sex, love, and relationships? Now, this might be part one of a two or three part article series, but I'm going to deal today with how gay shame intersects with one's ability to feel acceptance, connection, and care. In other words, love. So a while ago, um, I was in a coaching session with a client who's a gay man, and he's been struggling with some deeply rooted, unresolved feelings of gay shame that were always there, but were really triggered and brought up to a boiling point by a traumatic event in his life not so long ago. Now, many gay men, myself included, have dealt with feeling unaccepted in society and that may have shown up in their family, at work, in sports, or in their religion. Now, in my client's case, he was dealing with something much deeper, and it went to the core of his ability to love himself, and ultimately a kind of separation anxiety that was showing up as a loss of self-control. And that was a pattern that had shown up in various um, times in his life. So he said something when we were talking in the session, and it prompted me to ask him the question, what do you believe to be true about a partnered relationship? 
Now, having a lasting relationship with another gay man is something that he struggled with. And when I asked the question, he was initially unsure how to answer. He said, wow, that's a good question. Let me think about that. And this is actually really common when I ask someone the question about their core beliefs, what they believe in about a particular topic or a subject. And most of us had never considered why we believe what we believe. We haven't maybe thought about, well, who taught us this belief in the first place? Where did it come from? And how does that unconscious, like uncritically examined belief affect and control what we actually think and do in our day-to-day lives? If we're walking around oblivious, in a sense, to what we think we believe, well, There's going to be conflict and challenges with our choices and our behaviors, and we might be wondering, well, why am I acting this way? Why am I feeling this way? And that's a result of not having clarity about these core beliefs in our lives, of which, you know, sex, love, and relationships are just three. So my client then told me what he believed to be true about relationships. And this is the first time. He had never considered this before. And he came up with a general list, something that, you know, probably you yourself would agree sort of makes sense, and you might disagree with some of the things. So he shared some examples that, at least for him, a relationship should be monogamous, that a relationship is about a bonding of two people who share similar values and experiences. And a relationship is a partnership that, in which each person supports the other in their struggles and their challenges and their common jo- goals and in, in their joyous experiences with love and respect for the other person. And in a relationship, the couples allows each other to express their authenticity and to honor their differences. So in other words, a relationship means that one person doesn't control another person. So he took a pause and then he said, well, that's true for a straight relationship. And I was really surprised. So I asked him, what do you believe constitutes a loving gay relationship? And he told me that he didn't believe the same things could be true for a gay relationship, or at least for him, that his core beliefs, and he didn't want to believe this, but he knew inside of him, his core beliefs are that gay men are perverts. Gay love is not based in the true love that a straight couple would share, and the gay relationships are only sex-focused. And he also recognized that those beliefs came from his religious upbringing. And this was the contention. This was the inner struggle that he was dealing with. And I wonder if this is something you've felt if you're a gay man or if you're a queer queer person that, you know, you grow up and then suddenly you forget about all the shame issues because maybe you found a way of being accepted amongst your peers or other queer people or other straight people and you you feel loved and accepted but something comes along suddenly and you realize you have some unresolved history and when you let this sink in you know 
whatever your gender and sexual identification, how do you think you would feel about yourself if you believe you were perverted, unlovable, and incapable of intimacy for whatever the reason? So what it all boils down to is that gay, straight, lesbian, trans, non-binary, however you label yourself, we all want love. We all want to be connected with others, to be cared for, to be accepted for who we are without conditions. To different degrees, that's what we call love. Acceptance, connection, and care. Now, I believe that the truthful expression of love is similar to what happens to white light when it hits a prism and it comes out the other side as a rainbow of colors. And in that metaphorical display of colors, in that metaphorical spectrum, lives the diversity of human expression of love. In both the various forms that love takes and in whom we love. You know, it makes you think of the expression, we don't choose who we love. It's, it's just a feeling and it seems to overtake us. And I think that's why I would say true love precludes prejudice. True love precludes prejudice. Because one, to make the claim that a man cannot love another man is a logical fallacy. To make the claim that a woman cannot love another woman is a logical fallacy. If you try to deny who you love, you are denying your true nature. And thirdly, to deny your true nature is to deny the fact that you are of nature. Nature doesn't enforce dogmatic rules and constraints about who you are attracted to and whether or not you can love someone of the same gender or of a different social class or of a different skin color. Rules are a form of power, and they are social constructs. They are imaginary ideas. They are not of nature. They exist in the sense that we use them to create control and to enforce moral values. And sometimes those moral values are incredibly inhumane. So, for once and for all, there is nothing morally right or wrong about whom you love for the simple reason that love is a natural human expression, and not a social construction. Love cannot be controlled by any law, otherwise it's not love. And anyone who seeks to suppress the diversity of the expression of love is a threat to our very humanity, not the person who dares to stand in that rainbow of diversity and proudly Love another person who by rigid social standards might appear to be outside of the margins. So your beliefs about relationships affect your experience of love, compassion, and self-acceptance. And until you 
clearly define your beliefs about what is true about things like dating, sex, and relationships, you won't know if your choices and behaviors are based on scripts that were written and directed by someone else in your past. You might be living the belief and values narratives of your parents, religion, or even a political ideology. Now, as children... Our parents taught us most of what we think we believe as grown adults. This is a form of indoctrination in the, in the most simple sense of the word. And it's, it was done regardless of intent in the sense of, you know, parents are teaching their children and very young tr- children are, are, are forming logical capabilities. So in, Essentially, indoctrination is a kind of teaching an uncritical mind, which is the mind of a child. And indoctrination is teaching a system of beliefs. It's just giving you a roadmap for how to move forward in life. That's why I mean, hopefully most parents were doing this without a particular intention. They were tr- the intention that they had was to help you to be able to navigate life safely. Now, most of us have never considered why we believe what we believe in. We might think we know what we believe about sex and love and relationships, but most likely <laughs> those beliefs came from our parents, from how we observed our parents, from how they acted when we were growing up in the household with them, or in the lack of having parents or healthy parental relationships or caregiving relationships, whatever your childhood was like and whether you had parents, same-sex parents, uh, you were adopted, what, you know, whatever. If you didn't see a model that was healthy in some way, it certainly has the potential for having an effect in your adulthood. So what do you believe? Now, the first step is to define what you think believe, even if that means realizing you have never clearly defined a particular belief for yourself in your own words. But this is an amazing opportunity to discover from whom you learned your beliefs. Was it from your mother, your father, your religion, or your school? And why? Why were you taught those beliefs? If the people are still around who taught you those beliefs, you could ask them. As adults, we have the opportunity to then refine what we were taught to believe and then to align, to emotionally align, to get into agreement with what we actually want to believe or what we believe to be true. When we have the clarity of definition of, I believe these are my core beliefs about sex. I believe these are my core beliefs about a relationship, for example. But until you take that step to get clarity about it and then to refine it by asking kind of contentious or oppositional questions to really dig deeper into what you really understand about that belief, you've, you will not be able to take that next and final step to really solidify your understanding of that belief, which is then to align with it. So you are taking it in and accepting it as your own with your understanding of now this new definition of what that means for you. So like I said, you first need clarity. 
about what you believe to be true. And if this is the first time you've consciously asked yourself, it's going to be a very interesting journey. And in my client's case, this is precisely why he was not getting the kind of relationships that he thought he wanted, that he thought he deserved, because his unconscious beliefs kept nagging away and affecting his actions and choices and continued to make him feel unlovable and unworthy or even a pervert. Brings me to the very well-known, maybe you've heard of it, expression, the love that dare not speak its name. And it's Oscar Wilde who's famously known for having said those words. But what's implied in that expression Besides the obvious, the love between two men, and I say obvious because if you knew Oscar Wilde, then it would be obvious in that context. But what's implied in the love that dare not speak its name is the shame associated with that love. Now, I would argue, as I've said thus far, that love is love. That was the hashtag trending and still trending for a lot of LGBTQ prides and advocacy and and protests, right? Love is plain and simple, de facto, a natural human expression. And to to devalue the love that one person has for another for any reason is a denial of one's humanity. Now, the expression of our core human emotions has nothing to do with one's sexual, sexual or gender identity. I want to say that again. The expression of our core human emotions has nothing to do with one's sexual or gender identity. Because here are two examples. I can feel hate just as much as a straight man. So can you devalue my human expression of hate because I'm gay? Another way of looking at it, I can feel joy just as much as a fervent religious fundamentalist who's anti-LGBTQ. So how does my identification with being queer affect my core human capacity to experience joy? So this makes me conclude that love is how you feel as a human being when you are with another person whom you accept connect with, and care about. I add in there respect, that you respect that person. And shame loves a closet, doesn't it? Now, Alan Downs coined the term, I believe he coined the term, gay shame in his seminal book, The Velvet Rage, Overcoming the Pain of Growing Up Gay in a Straight Man's World. Now, Downs' book is a really great starting place for any gay man who's ever experienced the challenge of knowing how to love freely and without shame in sex and in relationships. Now, that's not to presume, that is not to assume that all gay men suffer or have suffered from gay shame, but none of us are immune from growing up and maturing in a world that demonstrates we are not fully accepted or equal. 
I believe that Alan Downs's book can be helpful for anyone who doesn't fit the myth of the heteronormative relationship ideal, man or woman. And for anyone truly interested in the human condition, they should pick up this book because there's a tremendous amount of psychological insight in the book. I want to read one quote from Alan Downs. For the majority of gay men who are out of the closet, shame is no longer felt. What was once a feeling has become something deeper and more sinister in our psyches. It is a deeply and rigidly held belief in our own unworthiness for love. We were taught by the experiences of shame during those tender and formative years of adolescence that there was something about us that was flawed, in essence, unloved, and that we must go about the business of making ourselves lovable if we are able to survive. So, for example, if you are struggling to keep a quality, loving, trusting, tranquil, relationship with another man, have you clearly defined what you believe to be true about dating, sex, and loving another gay man? You might be surprised to find that gay shame or internalized homophobia is holding you back from feeling self-acceptance, self-worth, and then being able to freely and openly love another man. So to conclude, we have to ask ourselves, are my beliefs based in my childhood definitions of life? Are my childhood beliefs based in my childhood definitions of life? Gay or not, if you don't identify with heteronormative ideals, ideals for love and society and pairing and relationships and partnerships, or if you were brought up in a dogmatic religious household, it's very likely that your past or current relationship challenges are based on unconscious beliefs about love, sexual intimacy, and relationships. And the result of not knowing your beliefs in these areas may show up as separation anxiety or shame. And in the very extreme, this will show up as depression or rage. So if you want to uncover the truth about your core beliefs about sex, love, and relationships, and understand whether those beliefs are helping or harming you, then I invite you to download my core beliefs personal evolution process that I have created to go along with this exercise. It's really straightforward, and if you've used any of my PEPs, my personal evolution processes before, I take you through a step-by-step process. This one is simply the definition or the defining part of the define, refine, align process. And the idea is to get really clear, get very conscious about your understanding of what you believe to be true about sex, love, and relationships. And I help you go through creating a list of all your beliefs, then identifying what would be your core beliefs, and then asking a series of questions about each belief to get really clear about if it's true, 
what it really means to you and how it's affecting your life. And if keeping that belief actually helps you or harms you, and when in your life might that belief be false? Where might it not hold up to what you would like your life to look like? All right. So that link will be in the show notes, as well as quite a few more links to I've written and spoken a lot about various aspects of gay shame. If you want to dig in deeper, I know this personal evolution process will help you. Getting clear about your beliefs can be one of the most transformative and insightful exercises you may ever do of any coaching exercise. Getting your values, getting clear on your values, absolutely important and useful. Knowing what you believe in and why, that can change your life. That can put you on a whole new path. That can give you such clarity and insight into why you've been struggling, why you've made choices that you have in the past, and how you can then establish the kind of beliefs that you wish to hold to, that you wish to be in alignment with, so that you can chart a new direction that serves you and who you are and your authenticity to potentiate your greatest self. All right. Thank you for listening.